Welcome to Scanner School. This is session number 148. All the session notes can be found on our website at scannerschool.com slash session 148. Before we start this week's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Patreon is a month-to-month sponsorship platform. We have three different support tiers, each with different benefits. But the most valuable tier is our $5 a month tier. This equates to sponsoring the podcast for about a dollar per episode. Now, not only do our $5 Patreon supporters receive the podcast early, but they also receive a commercial-free version of the podcast delivered directly to their podcast player. Some may say that the included squelchy sticker pack that is mailed to your home is the best benefit of the $5 level, but I think it's the community or the club that is growing at this level. You see, we meet once a month on Zoom, and we have a roundtable discussion about scanning, ask questions, offer advice. Some of the members are answering other people's questions, and we just talk with our fellow scanner school classmates. This is an exclusive group for our $5 Patreon members. Now, again, if all this wasn't enough at that level, you'll also receive discounts to upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. Now, you can help support Scanner School by going to www.scannerschool.com slash Patreon or www.scannerschool.com slash support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters at all levels, and they are Buzz Gold, Chris Parrish, Craig Harper, Dan, Ed Walsh, Eddie K, Edward Dufour, Glenn Bryden, Guy Lee, James Felling, James Peruta, Jeff Block, Jenny Taylor, Jim Heinrich, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Mark Thompson, Mark Beebe, Michael Kroger, Paul Thiel, Raymond Hill, Richard Armstrong, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Signals Everywhere, Tim Mazza, and William Arcand. Now let's start the podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. Now, if this is your first week joining us for class or you're a weekly listener, welcome back to this week's podcast. Today, we are joined by Kenneth Fowler. Kenneth joined us last on session 91 of the podcast, we talked about amateur radio DMR and how to scan those systems because they're a bit different than listening to normal DMR systems or even DMR trunking. Well, today Kenneth is back to talk about radio IDs. Everything that transmits on a trunk system keys up and identifies itself. Now, Kenneth is here to explain why we want to start documenting these radio IDs, how we can start doing so, and what other things we can uncover while we are looking at radio IDs. Now, we've said before on the podcast that the secrets are in the searches, and radio IDs are no exception to this rule at all. So again, I want to thank Kenneth for coming back on the podcast. This was his idea. He reached out to me by going to scannerschool.com slash guest, fill out the form, and scheduled up an appointment to come on the podcast. So if you have something that you would like to bring up or be a part of the podcast, please Scannerschool.com slash guest. Fill out the form. We'd be more than happy to have you on as a guest on the podcast. So with that, let me welcome back Kenneth to the podcast. Kenneth, thank you so much for returning to the podcast. The last time we had you on here was on session 91 when we talked about scanning amateur radio DMR. And I got to tell you, I learned a lot during that, that session. So thank you for that. And I'm sure we'll learn a lot more again today. So thanks again for coming back on the podcast. 
Sure. You're welcome. So just a, a quick reminder. So for those who didn't listen to uh, Session 91, and it's been quite a while, it's been almost 50 episodes at this point, just remind us a little bit about a little bit about your background. Uh, how did you get started into this scanner radio hobby? A friend of mine on Long Island, he was a, I guess a junior member of the fire department, had a, a pager. His entire family, was, they were firefighters there in Belmore. So I was like, that is cool. I need to get one of those. But at that time, I had to move to Virginia. So I was like, life disruption. I think I got my first scanner that Christmas, though. So public safety stuff has always been my, my forte. Excellent. And uh, what type of equipment do you end up using now, uh, primarily? Mostly unit and products. Obviously, the new unication products are what forced me into this unit ID programming on a full-time hobby. <laughs> it's It can be a separate part of the hobby. I mean, I've spent uh, countless days, weeks, and months, and it seems like it never ends when once you, you go down this rabbit hole. So... With uh, radio IDs or unit IDs, right? These are explain explain to uh, everybody listening exactly what a radio ID or a unit ID is. Okay, from my understanding, everything that is a digital transmission, whether it be P twenty five, DMR, Next N, not so much the amateur stuff, but anything commercial, your your radio is programmed with an ID and an alias. So when you transmit, system knows who you are, and it either allows you to enter or doesn't allow you to enter. If you have a public safety system, you'll have a dispatcher with a screen, and it, it'll show on the dispatcher screen who you are. So in case they didn't hear you properly, they can look at their screen and call, see who's calling. Right. Now, as a scanner radio user, why do we want to know what radio IDs are? We sit in front of our radios and don't always stare at the screen and or listen intently. So it'll help you to figure out who's calling and what messages they have. Right. So exactly how, how are you using, and we'll go into how you do it and everything else, but just to pave the, or paint the picture here, how is it that you are using radio IDs with, uh, with your current setup right now? When I use my, uh, unit in scanners, I'll run the pro scan and have it display on the, uh, unit ID logging screen. So if I'm not intently listening, at least I know who's, who's talking and I can determine if it's something I want to focus on or the cool part about the uh, even the unication product, so the font is so much larger so than the 436. I used to do that with the 436, but the font's too small, so kind of gave up with that. Gotcha. It is a lot easier, though, when you have software, too, because then you have the big screen and you can actually see it better. But uh, it is nice now that the unication devices will have that address book or something like that in there as well. You can throw in the uh, the radio IDs. So you were saying that everything that transmits basically on a P25 network a NXDN, DMR, but even goes back even to EDAX world and Motorola yes. Type 1, Type 2, the whole the whole gauntlet. And it's primarily, like you said, it's a, it's a way for the system itself to realize who is keying up and whether or not they have access to not only the trunk system, but also the talk group that they are trying to key up on. So even when we talked a couple weeks ago or even... Um, a few months ago with, with Harrison Wilson, you know, we, we were talking about trunking systems and using commercial radios and some of the hidden dangers of using commercial radios. And every radio, like you were saying before, has a unit ID in there. And if multiple radios too have unit IDs, I mean, the system admins know that that radio ID has been bootlegged and it's not supposed to be on the system. So there's a lot that happens behind the scenes on radio IDs. And to go back to that even further and how things work, 
with the radio IDs as well is like with the Motorola Type 1 systems, the old like beginning guide to, to trunk radio, what used to happen, right, is the radio would key up. It would say, this is who I am. This is where I want to be. This is what my affiliate is and et cetera, et cetera. It has whole preamble that went out over the air. And with Motorola Type 2 trunking, when that came out, basically just the radio ID came over and says, hey, this is who I am. And the system controller said, you've got granted access. You're allowed on this talk group. Let's go ahead and let's party, <laughs> basically. So the radio ID is more than just a personal identifier of who's keying up the mic. It, it goes into like a subscriber ID on, and, and really allows you onto the network. And it's a lot like, if you want to simplify it even more, it's kind of like your your cell phone ID, right? Your phone number or, or even the serial number inside the cell phone that says, hey, you know, this is exactly at, at the uh, ESN. And it says, or if you want to get even granular too, you get on the uh, the SIM card and it's the IMSI number, I, IMEI number. And uh, that basically says, hey, this is my subscriber ID. I'm allowed on your network. The network says, yes, you are. Good, I want to place a phone call. It's the same kind of deal. Or even going even into your Wi-Fi, right? You got your MAC address and it says, hey, this is my MAC ID. If you've got, if you've got filtering set up, am I allowed on this network? If you have filtering set up, it says, yes, you're allowed or no, you're not. So it kind of works a lot of the same way on multiple systems. So the radio ID field is a lot more than just a self-identifier. And being though, can that this is a self-identifier is it possible because I, I i mean i know the answer but i want to i want to i want you to uh, to go through for the audience is um can the radio ids that are signed to an individual can they ever change yes they can do over the air programming these days so i could take my whole my spreadsheet and just tomorrow would be all different Exactly. And and the other problem you have with this too is if you have portable radios, right? So if they come in, they grab a pool of radios and they drop one off in the charger and the next guy picks up another one that's fully charged, right? That's another indication that or another way that radio IDs can can kind of change who they're who's using them, right? That's what I'm discovering now is that a certain <laughs> yes. fire station will have a bank of portables and they'll ID as ambulance something one day and medic something the other day and Trying to sort them in a spreadsheet actually helps me to figure that out. What is mobile versus portable for the most part? Right, and then it's it is it is a constant battle to try and figure that one out. So I've noticed that here myself is portables change all the time. Mobiles change less frequently because they're hardwired into a vehicle until they go to the depot and there's an issue with the radio and they swap them out. So even that way, it's not always hundred percent solid, but it's for the most part, mobile radios stick with the mobiles themselves. Yes. Just like my County this week, a brand new tanker and a brand new engine probably will maintain the same IDs, but they're now the new frontline piece. So, right. And even like ambulances too, you'll have a radio in the front, you'll have a radio in the back and then you'll have a portable and, so, and you were saying too, even dispatchers, they have their own radio IDs and, and they rarely change, if anything. At least that's what I've noticed over here. They're pretty much the same. And you can also find that too, which is really cool, when they use the backup transmitters or the backup console because the radio ID will change for a while and then it'll go back to normal. So that's always an indicator too that things are different. So let's talk about your practice with radio IDs. I mean, what got you really interested in wanting to start this maddening um, <laughs> practice of copying down the radio IDs. What 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 made you want to do that? Probably the ease of programming the uh, the unication pager. I went from that backward towards programming my uh, 
I-96P2, but it's good to have a display make my unication mm-hmm. act more like it is actually a, a radio on the a trunk system. And that's, I think that's exactly what gets most people into this. That's what got, well, what got me into it was trying to decode a P25 uh, encrypted system. But it is nice to be able to see what's on your screen and then associate it to an alias, which is always cool. And how do you keep track? You were saying you have a spreadsheet. So what's the process of I see it on the radio versus I then program it on the radio? What's your typical workflow for that? Sure. Well, I started with a uh, black and white composition notebook, and that was that was fine. It's actually good to have like a, a history and a, a hard copy of that. I moved into uh, using these um, a column paper, uh, like an accounting sheet, and there's just enough spaces in the uh, in the columns to write a radio ID. So I felt like that helped me sort things out better. I'll transfer that information then to a spreadsheet highlight what's new on the spreadsheet before I make any changes on the radios. It'll help me sort out what's changed and maybe what the sequence numbers are. Because if there's a new number, I can say, I can make a guess as to, well, that, I don't, I don't know what radio that it is, that, but it's the next one in the sequence. That must be for that particular unit. I also like to make sure that maybe I've copied the number two or three times just to verify that that's actually what I heard and what I wrote down. Because sometimes your eyes aren't good enough to figure out what the radio ID is by staring at it. <laughs> yep. Been there. Sometimes they come across too quick or even till, I mean, even still, sometimes the, the, the receiver just doesn't pick it up the right way. So it's always good to, to verify that you've got it in the right way. So after you've got it logged into on paper and then you've got it logged digitally and you've got it sorted out, then what's the next piece of this step of this, uh, of the machine you've got going on here? Let's see. Whenever I have time, I'll go back into the programming software. I'll use the communication PPS as an example, I'll run down my my spreadsheet and look what's changed and highlighted. Take that ID, put it in an alias, hit save. I'm looking at my spreadsheet now. I have I highlight everything that's new in yellow, so I have a lot of yellow. I have a lot of catching up to do. Once you hit save and program, then everything should be saved and you can start scanning again. Nice. And you said you were doing this basically from the Unication device, but you also have migrated over to the 996. Are you using it on, on your other scanners, or is it just primarily just those two? Primarily those two. From what I understand, all of the unit in Trunk Tracker 4 or 5, even the 3, BCT 15, 15X will do that. I guess the Whistler, Indo Radio Shack Whistlers will, will do that as well. Yep, they, they certainly will. And uh, one of the things, too, like, for example, I was saying before when I was using it to monitor a um, or map out an encrypted trunk system is when our local county decided to get off conventional UHF and get onto a UHF trunk system, they were simulcasting, which was really great. So you can listen to them on UHF in the clear and then follow what was going on on the trunk system. So you'd see the, the talk groups light up and you'd, okay, this is this frequency, this is that one, this is this. So you, you kind of map it out really quick that way. But there was always these other talk groups that you'd see pop up that you could never listen to because they're brand new. But by looking at the radio IDs and mapping those out, we could start to see, okay, this must be an admin channel. This must be a tactical channel. Because only the radios that showed up on certain talk groups would also show up on these new talk groups. But they wouldn't end up anywhere else. So it was safe to say like it was the fourth and fifth admin or the fourth and fifth TAC channel. Plus, it also helps, too, when somebody starts handing you the uh, the channel layout of their radio. 
<laughs> so you can see where all the positions are. So you know where that is, that these names are in there. So, so that helps as well. That happened recently here in uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia, the local college migrated to join the joint uh, Stafford Fredericksburg radio system. So somebody, not myself, but figured out this new talk group popping up and the certain radio IDs that must be who they are, even though they're encrypted. So we've, We've at least eliminated the mystery of what this new talk group was, even though the comms are encrypted. Exactly. And sometimes it's not that difficult. Like you were saying, you, you could figure out what it was by the, the radio IDs. And sometimes radio IDs, or a lot of times, they kind of match a physical ID, right? So like with my local PD here, it would be like 1808, whatever, would be, you, you know, 8th Precinct Unit 808, or something very very similar to that. Not, not an exact thing like that, but... um that would be the way they were laid out. So, like every, um, like the ambulances would be like 1909 and then the unit ID at the end of it. And then it ended in zero for a handheld, one for the mobile, and then two for the radio that's in the back of the, of the ambulance. So, you can quickly find out what department they were in or, or what public safety agency they were in. Or like you said, campus security and all that stuff, just based on the way that the radio IDs are kind of laid out and, and defined. So, it does give you a little bit of an insight as to what it is you're looking at when you have an encrypted system. One of the things, though, that's very interesting about radio IDs is with NXDN. I don't know if you've noticed this with your playing around with some of the systems out by you, but with the NXDN protocol, you can actually not only get the radio ID over the air, but the alias as well. So it could say uh, bus 212 or a dispatch console or something like that. So automatically, you know what the alias is based on the radio ID, which is always really cool. But uh, from a radio standpoint and recycling, you really can't, unless you had security as just an answer or something like that, it kind of really limits to what you're doing. But some of the other cool things you can do with radio IDs, do you have anything else that you do with them besides just looking at them on the screen? Or is there anything else you're playing with behind the scenes with radio IDs? Determining... With the well, normally if it's a seven-digit ID, the first three numbers will be assigned to a particular system or user. The odd part is that, like the airport authority in DC, is switching from a Motorola Two system to a P25 Phase Two, and the IDs that they use on their home system are four digits. And when they switch to a surrounding jurisdiction for mutual aid, it's a seven-digit ID. So I haven't determined whether one radio is an older radio, and then one radio is a new radio, or that's just the way it works. I've also figured out that some jurisdictions have a certain trunk identifier as the first three digits, and when they switch to a neighboring jurisdiction, it's a completely different radio ID. So I haven't figured out why that works that way as well. That one's interesting. That one, uh, that one maybe because it's coming through another, like a. Are they coming through a different a different trunk site or are they or a trunk system? They're getting patched in maybe? So it's showing that it's roaming? Yeah, I, I don't know. I've heard hospital comms from an, a medic unit in the different counties transporting to a hospital in, in the other county. And of course, I don't know whether the radio in the back of the unit, it was supplied by one jurisdiction or the code plug is just different for that unit. Gotcha. So it's always a fun... <laughs> <laughs> Always the fun about having the, uh, and again too, the radio won't keep the same place at the same time, or you won't have the, the operator keen up two different radios at the same time, so you may never even know 
But uh, it is possible you've got two radios. I mean, one stays on one, one stays on the other. They can get announcements on this hospital's closed. They know not to go there. So who knows? They could be listening or it could be some sort of magic that happens on the back end with the routing. So, uh, for example, because I know you're, you're, re- you're writing things down to do decoding, but what I've noticed too, what I do on my end is um, with my Uniden scanners and also some of the other ones, is I'll set up an alert on a radio ID, which is always cool. So if the if the ambulance in my local fire district is talking to Medcom, right, I want to know that if I miss the call, at least I know to, to listen up because they're coming in with something. That's just me being nosy. But you'll know that that's a different, that's one to listen out for, or you can change the background color on it depending on how things operate on whatever radio is you're using. But it's radio IDs, I mean, you gotta think of it. It's it's another layer. It's another piece of investigation. As and as uh, a typical scanner user, it's something that maybe you don't pay attention to. But if you go into the expert mode on your scanner, I mean, it's there, and uh, as well as some yes. pretty good information else that's out there. Flint Red, you know, moving your hobby from plain Jane listening to actually being the hobbyist. So this is this is the hobbyist part of it. <laughs> yup, and and I always say now too lately is uh, since since talking with uh, Chris Paris about the Fed scanning is the secrets are in the searches. So when you're searching for stuff, that's when you're going to find all the good stuff, right? And uh, this this falls right into it where where you're searching out now the radio IDs and and how you're finding out you know like I said the, the college campus or the campus security because even though they were encrypted, you could still figure out what they were. So by searching around, you will find that one out. And now. Again, you're using basically pen and pencil, right, to to map this all out. You're not using anything that's that's automated. When I am at home, I use the uh, ProScan. So that software okay. does unit ID logging, and I can actually have two uh, two radios to actually on at the same time to verify. Now you find that helps you out, makes it a lot faster for you, or you still prefer the pen and paper? Depends on what I'm doing at the time. Because sometimes I'm at work, so I'll just pen and paper what I hear. But gotcha. That's over an hour away, so I'm listening to the different systems. But <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> when I'm at home, the, it's pen and paper and the logging from the software. Just to, okay. Oh, I heard this, and I need to verify it. Computer verified it for me. So Now, are you doing any kind of recording with it as well, or are you just strictly just logging? The I experimented with that. The software will generate a log file, and then you can dump that log file into your, I'm going to call it a code plug, but your your programming database which then you can go back and edit later on and upload to the scanner so you have it gotcha because the way i was doing it is um i started off with pro 96com which is a piece of software that's written to talk to the radio shack pro 96 and pro 2096 and uh it talks to i think pretty much anything beyond that and and uh maybe even the whistler TRX. I know it talks to the some of the whistle lines too because they speak the same la- same language, and it uses that PCIF port, and uh, it's a great Windows program to to see what's going on on a P25 system. It's all it works with, and it would allow you to log in Excel, and then you edit the files out. It would actually it would it would log out in a uh, CSV file or a tab file, right? Something you can read with it with a regular Notepad reader or something like that. And uh, I use Notepad plus plus, so I bring it into Excel. And that allowed you to quickly highlight the radio IDs and give them an alias and see which ones are new that way because it was always recording what was going on. wouldn't give you any audio, but at least it would record the data. And then eventually I moved over to 
Unitrunker to start doing that because Unitrunker allowed you to do a lot more stuff graphically because I was I was trying to do multiple things and and eventually then that migrated over to using SDRs and DST plus and it's just really cool though just to be able to to grab that radio ID and an, an audio file of it and I was even using the Home Patrol one with the Extreme Upgrade and doing the exact same thing I'll just let it burn overnight and playing it back and seeing which radio IDs came up as blanks. And there's a thousand different ways that you can go about logging and finding out the radio IDs and, and doing stuff with them. And it depends. Like I said, you're starting and you're doing pen and paper. Or you can really go into it and just have computer software do it. But the problem, Ken, with with, um, with radio IDs is once you get one system figured out, you want to do the next one. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. I've got, my spreadsheet's got probably 15 jurisdictions in it. So Yeah. It's, it's totally a slippery slope. So, um, so again, it's programming into your, your pager. I mean, that's, I'm going to ask the question, even though I'm a communication dealer, there's a separate section in the, the software, right? That you program in the unit IDs yes. or how do you pop them in? Let's see. I'm looking at the PPS now. So if you go to tab D, which is view or edit the profile, click on tab five, uh, it'll give you your listing of group ID calls. And then there's a tab there that says member list. The member list allows you to put an alias and a talk group ID together. Right. And this alias list is, is a generic list, right? It's not associated to a particular trunk system in this, in the pager. Correct. Right. Fortunately, it only gives you 999 IDs. <laughs> well, for a typical fire district, that would be enough. <laughs> Maybe they'll expand that in the future. I don't know. We're right, asking right. a But it is a cool feature. We're asking you yeah, to do too much, and they that their the, the uh, storage capacity on these things isn't going <laughs> to change that much, right? But again, I mean, it's it is nice to see that they are evolving the software and and becoming they're keeping up with the public safety side of things, but they're also opening more things up for a scanner radio user, which is always really interesting. And uh, the new firmware out too that I, I believe you're also on the beta team as uh, with that as well. Yes, is really opening up a lot more than than just came out as well. Because right now the public release is one dot three, and this ability to add in the aliases, I believe, popped up in one dot three as well, as well as the hold. So you don't have to. You can actually pause the scanning, which is uh, really nice. That was that was one of those features that would that was desperately needed, as well as the nuisance delete for those of you who uh, like to speak Motorola, uh, which should also be called the lockout. <laughs> for those of us who listen to scanners. I, I wish I had that in my police department. Yeah. <laughs> but again, too, it's, so it's not only just for like the Unication products or commercial radios, right? So like we were saying before is Unidin allows you to add in the unit IDs. You're playing around with that with the 996, and also you said the 436. Whistler, I played around with that with my TRX-1. Even if you're a ham radio operator and listen to the local DMR Yes. If you want to know who your buddies are, you can definitely put their IDs in and display their name or call sign. Did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't take any time or any extra money on your part? If you go to scannerschool.com support, you will find we have several ways that you can continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links to Scanner Master, where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, 
you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in the market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com support before you make your purchases, and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealers serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every Scanner Reader user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware or even just make some changes and you don't understand how the system and the equipment works? The podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely, and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. All right, so you're keeping your list. I'm keeping my list. We've got our own list of radio IDs. This is basically how things are traded right now, right? And and amateur radio, though, the list is public, right? As soon as somebody gets a radio ID in the DMR world, I guess even P25 and NXDN, right? That information is yeah. is on a shared site that you can download, right? Yes. Public access for any uh, hams to uh, update their code plug with all of these radio IDs. So they know who's – most of the radios will display 
your call sign name, city, who's calling, that kind of thing. Right. And that was something that you and I had talked about on uh, Session 91 as well. But when it comes to scanning, though, this is kind of like still the um, the ground floor of this stuff. I mean, there's there's uh, resources out there. Basically, you could jump on a forum. You could say, hey, this is my radio ID list. Or if you get somebody's code plug or you get somebody's programming done for them. I know if I do scan radio programming, I don't include radio IDs because – that's mine. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, that's my hard work. I don't want being shared. But do you know of any other place you can go online right now, currently, as we record this and as this will be published in a couple weeks, that you can go on there and just download a list of defined radio IDs? No, other than what I see on Radio Reference or Contribute myself, I haven't seen any particular um, public websites. I do not share... Mainly, my IDs are fire rescue related, so I don't necessarily share any police IDs because those change frequently. I will share like the dispatch center IDs, but as far as individual PD units, no, that's not something I share usually. And where typically on radio reference are you finding the radio IDs? They are, as far as I know, talked into the uh, wiki pages for each locale. Okay. There's also on the like the state wiki page, they'll say there's a link for what's been collected so far, and it's sorted by individual jurisdiction. Gotcha. And then the wiki pages, though, because I mean, I'm a database admin, and one of the uses of the wiki page is to collaborate and post unconfirmed data. So the wiki pages are great because you find a lot of stuff in there, especially you can find like addresses for battalions or, or departments, phone numbers sometimes, depending, you know, every wiki jurisdiction is different depending on who's contributing to it. But you could also find like fire tone outs and, and kind of like you're saying too, you can find a list of radio IDs depending if somebody drops them in there as well. So there's a lot going on you can find in the wiki. And to find the wiki, you can go to the radio reference database and you can go down to the county that you want to monitor. And at the very top right, at least that's where it's located now, there's a couple of icons and one of the icons is wiki. And that'll take you right to the wiki page for that local area. So for anybody that wants to check that out, that's how you would do it. So uh, it's radio IDs, though, it's, it's interesting. It's It's definitely one of these exercises that is probably never going to be finished when you start down this rabbit hole. Is that that's the way you feel, right? <laughs> that's how I feel. Yeah, I don't know how often they recycle them. If there's a new piece of apparatus or new portables added to the system, now, obviously, as the non-end user of that particular radio, I'm not going to know. Exactly. So is there anything else that you're using the radio IDs for, or is it just to plop into your uh, to your scanner, discover new talk groups, or any other any other use you can think of for having radio IDs? No, just as an added benefit to if I'm staring at the radio, but I'm, oh, that's who's talking. That's that's basically all I use it for. Yep, exactly. It just gives you another little piece of information that's out there. And it is it is definitely really cool to be able to see, you know, if you've got the information that can come over the unit you're using, like you said, the unication or the, the radio, whether it be the whistler or, or the unit in, it's just another layer, right? Another layer of what's going on that, that we have the ability now with the newer radios out there and the newer technology to get another pull back into the layer of the onion and know what's going on out there. And again, too, radio IDs, is, this is nothing new either. I mean, the, before there was digital radio IDs, too, we had GE Star. We had Marola, what was what was their uh, MDC ID that was out there and, and other A&I type of, of codes that would identify MDC who the radio 1200? user was as well. MDC, yeah, MDC 1200, right? What did I say, MDC ID? But, Something uh, like that. But yeah, yeah, there's, yeah but there's, there's a couple, right? GE had theirs, Motorola had theirs. 
And uh, the Motorola one now is pretty much open to, to be used. The the uh, the rights in that one kind of expired. It's, it's definitely old enough now. <laughs> so other radios out there can kind of decode them. Additional information that's built into the, the data stream when the radio keys up. It's, yep. it's all digital these days, mostly. So Exactly. But now, this is who I am. Yep. Yep. All right. Anything else that uh, that you've got for radio IDs and, and, and what's what's in them and what you can do with them? No, I guess my, the catalyst for, for doing this was was uh, having the Unication product, but I definitely feel like the unit in programming is probably much easier with IDs than it, the other products are. But I can say that there's some uh, nuances with things like ProScan or the uh, Butel. Depends on how you want the uh, ID or the alias to display on your on your on your radio. They have like little characters that you put in there, so the system will recognize that this is not a a talk group but a, an ID. Right. You start the uh, you start off with the lowercase i, I believe, is is how you would set them up. Different character streams. Yep. And then uh, the Whistler though has got a whole separate folder just just for the unit IDs, which is really nice. But uh, with, like you were saying before, with the unit ones, you think you create a separate another group, and then you just define everything with an I, and that takes care of that. So. And then, from what I understand, the the Butel, if you buy the basic version, you don't have access to that. You need the uh, upgraded version. Really? Because it's just a program. I guess I guess it ships that out. I guess to log IDs oh, or to, log to program it. IDs. It, it, okay. When I understand, you need the upgraded version, which I don't. I don't purchase. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to dig into that one because I know I've programmed IDs in the past and I just don't recall if it was from the pro version or the basic version of that piece of software. So I, I know I've played around with that in the past. I went to double check that. So, but uh, it's it's definitely, like I said, it, it's, it is definitely a slippery slope once you start going down the radio ID path. <laughs> it's it's fun though. I mean, it's 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 definitely fun. I, I like Excel because it visualizes uh, patterns in the numbers. So even if you don't, specifically know which unit was talking you can if you have enough data in the rest of your spreadsheet you can you can fill it out and hopefully fill in the right numbers exactly and that's that's the other thing i do too is like i was saying before you have encrypted talk groups on a system and like you you as well that if you can define the talk group that's out there then you know pretty much every radio idea that's on there is is that so i'll know like for example freeport police department is encrypted on the accounting system so I know any radio that basically shows up on there is part of Freeport PD. And then what I'll do is I'll just label it Freeport PD, right? And then you got a whole list of them because it starts at this point and goes to that point. Any radio in the middle is basically going to be that way anyway. And then maybe you'll see them show up on another frequency or I mean another talk group or they might show up on the county talk group or maybe you get lucky and they're unencrypted. So it, it, it definitely gives you another another layer of looking, like I said, another another peels back one part of the onion so you can see into them as well. Also, what's interesting too about radio IDs too is if you, uh, we talked about with, with Chris a couple weeks ago, is you can look at radio IDs and figure out what type of agency is talking. Like you and I was, was speaking before too, but on the conventional side of the house. So it could be that certain U.S. federal branches have certain type of radio IDs as well, and they will follow a certain pattern. So even if you don't understand who might be talking as far as the lingo goes, or because the transmission is so short, or they're just saying, hey, I'm on this boulevard, or I'm in position, or so-and-so's got the football, etc., you'll know just by the radio ID also that you're reading over the conventional P25 what type of agency it might be as well. So radio IDs do give you 
a glimpse of of what else is going on out there. So it's it's definitely a great topic, and it really does reinforce right that the, the, the secrets are definitely in the searches, or or was that what I was saying? The, sure. The, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that that's where you find that's where you find everything. So I will say this: so like a large jurisdiction like Fairfax County in Northern Virginia are assigned, I guess the first three digits of the ID are assigned to a particular agency. And if you know, okay, I see this number, it's got to be a fire unit, even though they didn't say anything. If I see this number, it's going to be a, a PD officer. Yep, exactly. And then the exactly. dispatch center is somewhere in the middle. So we find that over here, at least dispatch center is like 101, 102, 103, 104. They've got the three-digit numbers, and then the units out in the field have the really long strings. But that's just the way that the sysadmin out here did our uh, our setup. But uh, it, it certainly is cool. And I'm going to look, too, on what you were saying, too, about those radio IDs because we have a system over here that uh, it was the metro system that was a state system for the basically for the five boroughs of, of New York City. And then the MTA got their own P25 system. But what's really cool is they, they bridged the two systems together. So each system is independent of each other. It's got its own NAT code and it's got its own WAC and then everything else. But – they're bridged together where the talk groups show up in the same place at the same time. So the next time I have DSD plus out, I'm going to throw a USB stick on each one of those and have one monitor of the Metro system, have one monitor of the, uh, the uh, MTA system and see if the radio IDs change that maybe that's a different radio ID as it patches through the system. And uh, wouldn't be surprised if that radio ID kind of gives you a, a roaming, subscriber id to the beginning of it it pens maybe the nat code or something that that describes where this radio id came from to the system so that it knows where 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 home is basically so that might be something to look out to as well but again you can tell radio ids it's like you just want to decode them all i mean you just want to know like what's the next one what's sure. the next one what's the next one and it's really fun once you start out because you got a blank page and everything is new <laughs> you know but i've we'll, noticed that with we'll, the even the medevacs the chopper, even if they have a home system, they'll key up on a neighboring county for a, a job, and it's a different idea altogether. And I'm like, that's odd, but okay. Yeah, I know there's there's got to be a reason behind that one, but it, it's definitely uh, now one of those things we'll dig into, and we'll we'll get to the bottom of it one way or the other. So very, very good. So what else is there besides monitoring it and discovering things new and everything else that you that you do with the, uh, the radio ID? That's about it, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so it's it's just a lot of detective work. It's really what it comes Customization down to. Customization of your uh, mm -hmm. of your equipment. I think some people just want something pre-programmed for them, and it's like that's fine. But are you really the hobbyist? <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, Ken, I I really appreciate you being here again tonight. I know as we record, it's a Sunday evening, so it's uh it's always always a rush to get back to uh, normalcy, right on Monday. <laughs> So <laughs> I, I won't, I won't keep you too long. Exactly. I know it's, it's, I, I look at it going, I got this left to do tonight and everything else. So I won't, I won't hold you too much longer. So is there anything else you wanted to bring up tonight before, uh, before we split? No, nope, that's good. Excellent. Well, Ken, I want to thank you again for joining us again for a second time. Always learn a lot when you're on and, uh, you always bring a lot of good information to the podcast and I, I greatly appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And also thanks again too. I'm gonna thank you publicly too for being a continued Patreon supporter. So I, I really appreciate the support you give us as well. You're welcome. All right. You have a good one. Thanks again, Ken. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again, Kenneth, for returning to the podcast. 
I feel like I always learn a lot when you're on here. And again, I want to thank you because it's a Sunday night when you decided to uh, schedule this interview. I was more than happy to have you on. And thanks again for taking the time out of your Sunday evening to record this session so we can all learn about radio IDs. Now, again, anybody else wants to be a podcast guest, I would love to have you on. It certainly helps to break up just me talking to you guys. But it's great to learn how you guys are using your scanners and what stories you have and everything else. So the door is open if you want to be a guest in the podcast, scannerschool.com slash guest. Now, again, you can see by today's conversation with Kenneth that there's an extra bit of information that's being transmitted, right? And we find those. We find those and document them, and it enhances the way that we scan things. It's not for everybody, right? Some people just want to know what's going on. But for some of us, we like to pull back. I said before, we like to pull back that onion. We want to know what's the next layer down, and we want to see that information. And when you're searching for something, and again, the secrets are in the searches, right? You're going to discover these things that you didn't know existed. And we have the tools, and we have the technology, and we've got those bionic scanners, right? (laughs) We can do these things today. And it is one of those things that, is is amazing to just sit down and do and, and it starts like making you love the hobby on a different platform. So if you've never documented a radio ID before, I, I definitely recommend turning that feature on your scanner. It's usually it's in a expanded memory or expanded menu item and it shows up on the display. You can start writing these down and documenting them. I like to use software to do it all. Kenneth prefers to use pen and paper, but to me, like I said before, I like to do Unitrunker or Pro96 Com or DSD Plus, and we'll talk about all these again in the future for those of you who have missed those previous episodes with some of those pieces of software. So again, if you want any session notes, you can go to scannerschool.com slash session 148. And don't forget too, you can join us every week on our Zello app by going to scannerschool.com slash Zello. Make sure again, you subscribe to the podcast by clicking on the subscribe button right there in your podcast player. Oh, and by the way, we're also now on that Amazon device. So if you've got one of those, you can ask it to play the podcast now. Hmm. <laughs> Makes for something very interesting. But again, you can also go to scanschool.com and sign up for our email newsletter. And we'll let you know every week when you want to go ahead and say that magic word. And we'll be over that device. All right, guys. We'll talk to you all again next week. Again, stay safe. Thanks again for listening. And my name is Phil Lichtenberger. This is Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. 73.